Hey, Why Got Why podcast family. This is Peter Engler, one of the co-hosts of the show. We're experimenting with a new type of podcast, whether you're watching us on YouTube or listening to us on one of your podcast apps. Today's episode is going to be about a book from the Bible. It's in the New Testament. It's called 1 Corinthians. So along with uh, our co-host, Aaron Mercer, our two guests, which are Brigham Lee and Gavin Brown, we're going to be talking about this book. But for some of you, you might not be aware that 1 Corinthians is in the Bible. So I wanted to give you a little intro and preview about the book just to help you better engage this uh, episode and also this book. So 1 Corinthians, it's in the New Testament. It's written by an apostle and a church leader by the name of Paul. And Corinth was an actual city uh, in ancient times. It was a very metropolitan city. We'll actually talk about it was a lot like Los Angeles or New York. It was a port city. It was very, very important. But Paul writes this letter because the churches has some really, really big issues. So uh, the way the book is broken up, the first seven chapters... Paul actually addresses some of those huge problematic issues that we'll get into in the passage. And then chapter seven starts with addressing questions that the church has sent to him. And for those of you that aren't aware, you know, just of the New Testament and how it works, this is called a letter that's called an epistle. So it's a letter that was actually read to the Corinthian church. And so for since the ancient times, we've been studying this book of the Bible. So maybe what you want to do is grab uh, your Bible, whether it's on your app, on your phone, or, or an actual physical Bible, just find 1 Corinthians, and then it'll help you enrich this conversation. So thanks for experimenting with us, and this is going to be a great episode. Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I'm one of the co-hosts. I am here with an illustrious co-host, Aaron Mercer. Aaron, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. It's good to be on the podcast with you. I know, I know. And then we're here with our fantastic producer, Nathan Yoder. Today, we have two guests. They're on their second episode here. It's uh, Brigham Lee and then Gavin Brown. Uh, I went to college with them, and we are going to try something brand new. First of all, we're having two virtual guests, so that's new. But we want to talk about uh, a book of the Bible, and we're the question is, why would I read 1 Corinthians? So many of you might be aware of that book. Many of you might be skeptical of the Bible. So we're trying this, so you can let us know how it goes. <laughs> But also one of the reasons is in the life of Browncroft, the church that we're associated, we're going to be in the book of First Corinthians. So why not invite a couple of guys that I went to college with to talk about this wonderfully complex book? Hey, Brigham and Gavin, how you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Good. Hey, great. Thanks so much for having us, Peter. Appreciate it. Good to see you, Peter. Thanks for having us on. Uh, I just want to say welcome to you. It's great to have you both. I, and I'm meeting you. I know you've been college buddies with Peter. So I'm actually really excited about this podcast because who knows what stories are going to pop up, especially in, you know, with First Corinthians in view. I don't know. This is going to be an interesting conversation. I love that we're experimenting with having uh, you both on here also. I think Peter just wanted to make life a little harder for our producer over here, but he's he's up to the task. I know it. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation. Um, I know even before we get into First Corinthians, um, I'd just love to catch up with both of you, especially because, you know, I know Peter knows you. I don't know you real well, um, but I do know you've been on the podcast before. would love to 
hear a little bit more about what each of you do, uh, where you're at now, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, what's been going on since the last time you were on the Why God Why podcast. And maybe uh, I'm, gonna, I'm looking at the screen and I see, I see Gavin first in front of me on the side. So how would I go to Gavin first? Yep. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm, yes, um, I'm a senior pastor right here in uh, Central Maryland. Um, I'm actually pastoring the senior pastor in the church that I grew up in as a kid uh, from a oh, team cool. on. So been here about five years now, going in year six. And so, um, you know, just loving life. I think the last time I was on this podcast was at the year 2020, which we don't want to always talk about and we want to erase <laughs> from history. But um, I would beg to differ that there have been some great things that have come from that. Um, if anything, we saw in that year a lot of our own brokenness, a lot of just in our world, whether it's our country, whether it's even in ourselves. And so um, how God's grace prevailed, carried us through. But honored to be where I'm at. Got a lovely wife, three beautiful kids. Looking forward to what the Lord continues to do. We just started school yesterday, so it's kind of cray cray. And now <laughs> trying to get disciplined, trying to get disciplined in the right. Browntown household. But um, just excited for the season, the fall coming up, you know, pumpkins and all that stuff is coming back and looking forward to what things uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have going on in the future here. Yep. Th thanks, Gavin. Brigham, how about you? Yeah, so I think it has been a while since I was on. Since uh, last I was on, my wife, I think she had just had our third child uh, when I came on, but now we've since had another and uh, that's the final four, though, so I think we're done. Um, <laughs> but I serve at uh, Calvary Christian Church here in Linfield, Massachusetts. I'm the church ministries pastor, so I'm actually overseeing all the ministries of the church that aren't overseen by another pastor, um, and uh, and also just overseeing some of our staff, some of our associates as well in a supervising role. And uh, yeah, just loving life. God is faithful, living in New England, so uh, it is a unique place. I'm originally from... Maryland, though. I'm originally from Southern Maryland, yep, so Maryland. Uh, Gavin and I have that in common. It's the greatest state in the Union. In case you weren't aware, you just need to be, you just need to be aware that, that best, that's true. So, best crab cakes uh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Come on. Crab cakes and football. Come on, baby. That's how we do it. Go. So, uh, but, yeah, no, but, yeah. But you you gave up. On, you're not a Commanders or a Ravens fan. You're a Patriots fan. Though. Oh my! Of course you. No, 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 no. None of none of those statements are true. <laughs> so none of those statements ended up being oh, true. Um, I'm actually a 49er fan. Wow. Huh. Uh, I've been a 49er fan my whole life. I know that's random, mm -hmm. but but true. Yep. So, um, but uh, no, I'm a 49er fan. I don't like the Commanders. I don't like the Ravens. Obviously. Uh, they beat us in the Super Bowl, so that was unfortunate. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, leave it to a little bit of controversy to start to talk about First Corinthians. So that's just a great segues and uh, yeah, segues are for perfect segue. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> segues are for beginners, you know. So let's um, let's just kind of pretend for a second that you're sitting down with someone either from Maryland or New England or Rochester, New York, and you're, t and they say, why would I read first Corinthians? Like, so I'll start with Brigham and then we'll have Gavin answer this. How would you explain the big picture to them of why this book in the Bible is so important? So Brigham, why don't you go first and then Gavin? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I always start with, what it is before uh, even engaging the content and recognizing it as the word of God uh, gives it importance. 
Now, that being said, that's fundamental and that's basic to us as Christians. But for an, an unbeliever or, say, a first-time visitor to Browncroft or, you know, somebody who's never stepped foot in church before, uh, I think you have to speak to uh, the elements of the book that benefit and speak directly into your life. So for me, I would I'd probably say something along the lines of what this book really engages. I mean, the fact of the matter is that the thing that our culture is all about, right, uh, uh, imagery, um, sex, uh, argumentation, fighting. I mean, these are the things that our culture eats up, right? That's the things that we consume in uh, media, uh, whether that be books or television. Um, well, this book's got it all. Uh, it, it's got it all. I mean, Paul uh, and the church in Corinth uh, was a mess. Yeah. And so uh, it's going to talk about sex. It's going to talk about false imagery. It's going to talk about um, our toward these things. It's going to talk about fighting. It's going to talk about uh, uh, the Holy Spirit at, at work. Um, and so these are things that I think our culture loves to engage and think about, and maybe doesn't necessarily think of when they think of the Bible. Well, first Corinthians got all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Gavin, what do you think? Yeah. And I'll, um, piggyback off of Brigham. Just it's, it's got all of that in a bag of chips too. You know, it's like, get your popcorn <laughs> ready because I mean, you know, I would just say, even as a church leader, yeah. as Brigham, all you guys are, man, there you're always brushing shoulders with brokenness. So if you feel broke, you feel fractured. First Corinthians is the great is a great book for you. You're going to see it all. I mean, the context where the letter is written, actually, Paul has given them another uh, letter in the first Corinthians. He wrote another letter, wasn't received well, but then he he coins this. And you've got, you know, people, you know, going to temples and there's you know, sexual different expressions. They're just worshiping God and they're saying, hey, it's okay. So sex is definitely hit. Then, you know, there's fighting. So, you know, Paul, as Brigham said, gives a great imagery of the church united, you know, using the, the picture of the body. Um, and then, of course, he kind of comes towards the end and hits on the resurrection and what that has to do with, you know, us living for the Lord right now. So I think, again, First um, Corinthians, I would just, you know, I would dub it kind of the, man, I'm broke and I can be fixed and here's why I'm broken. But at the same time here, here, it's a tell all and Paul doesn't hold any punches in addressing these different (laughs) topics. So um, yeah, you know, when when there's people, even in the church, it's inevitable to be conflict. There's going to be conflict. And so Paul goes right in on it and um, uses the gospel. It's bringing the gospel um, as as a, as a disinfected, lighting these different issues with the gospel to help people walk in freedom. So that's what I would say. You know, I I love where you're headed because I actually kind of want to. So we just went super big picture. Let's let's go super micro yeah. for a second because I I think something that our culture is dealing with that First Corinthians addresses. We've had a ton of falls of spiritual leaders. Mm. And Paul in the beginning of the book is like, I follow. He's talking about the church. He's like, there's a group of you that follow Apollos. There's a group of you that follow me. There's a group of you that follow Jesus. You know, Gavin, I'd be kind of curious as you've been kind of processing and reading this book and kind of seeing the times that we're in. You know, how are you processing this book differently in this season? And then I'd love to hear from Brigham after you respond too. Yeah, no, great, great question, Pete. You know, we um we live in a culture that likes to put uh, celebrity. You know, we we kind of put that up on a pedestal, and it it's in, it's inevitable that we see it in the church as well. 
And Paul, I think, in a kind of way, he's, he's laughing at it. He's kind of saying, guys, you're, you're talking about who you follow and different things, but he's saying Jesus is the only one that's worth <laughs> any type of, you know, pedestal. And we, we do it. We see it um, where, you know, it's easy as the culture. So goes the culture. Sometimes it is. So goes the church. And we've got to be reminded that, you know what, Jesus is the only one that's deserving of our full allegiance. Let's not glory in man. Let's just glory in the Lord. Why? Because men are fickle. Uh, men, men, men are, are, we're clay pots. We are, we are prone to wander. And so um, I think in our celebrity culture that we, we put these people on highlights, it does happen for the church and we've got to guard ourselves. We've got to, you know, look, you know, not just what's on the platform, which I think is sometimes really glorified, but we got to be more concerned about what's in the stock room. Um, not saying that people aren't important. God uses his people. He raises up leaders. He raises up people to do his work. But what are we prescribing on these individuals? Almost like they are it. They're, 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 they're God. And, and we've got to really check that because, um, you know, no one should, you know, be on the platform or the pedestal or throne but the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have seen it where many leaders have fallen um, and, and many people, you know, have taken falls with them because they're devastated because of the influence, but perhaps they've forgotten that these are men and not that godly men should not be, um, you know, and against a certain standard, um, you know, of godliness. But, but yeah, we've got to guard our hearts in this culture of, platforms, um, social medias, I'm um, seeking, you know, look what I did. And, you know, is it more about what I did or what has God done and what did God do? And so I think that's a ch challenge for all of us, you know, and I just said this, I think in a sermon a couple of weeks ago, why do we do what we do really? You know, why do we do it or who do we do it for? Um, really? And um, if you could do something great and no one knew it, would that be enough? Nobody knew it but the, you and the Lord. Would that be wow. enough? And so I think church leaders, we've got to get back to asking and getting back to the motive of why did I sign up for this? Was it for me, personal gain, or was this for the Lord? And if that is truly um, the latter part, our actions should show and reflect that. Wow, that's really good. Bring him. What would you I mean? I, Go ahead. Yeah, I, well, there's not too much to add. I mean, Gavin went at it, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> But I think that especially as he engaged the, the first part there from the focus of our culture, people want to put people on yeah. pedestals. And that's true in the church. Now, First Corinthians tells us that God has established an order mm -hmm. as well, right? He's given us uh, uh, apostles and prophets and teachers and, you know, he's putting things in, in right order. But when we get things out of order, that's when things become problematic. And mm -hmm. for the pastor who is being put in that place or for the minister or for the people who are being followed, uh, Gavin was kind of starting to get into this. I think it's incredibly important for us to remember the foundation of where yeah. we stand. You know, some would say, all right, let's make everybody love. And there's a lot of different church structures out yeah. there, right? And Corinthians al al allows mm -hmm. for that. I mean, Paul, he's kind of flexible when it comes to the, the format of church and how it's mm -hmm. done. But I think that we as ministers and leaders, it's important for us to remember the foundation yeah. That we stand on obviously the gospel regeneration justification yeah. uh, uh uh sanctification glorification mm -hmm. right the, the yeah. pillars here even of yeah. the gospel but 
where does it where does it all stem from? What's it all truly coming from? Where is the what's the foundation of the gospel? It's, yeah. it's love. It's and First Corinthians, of course, Paul jumps right at that. So we need to be reminded as leaders, not just the why we're doing it, but even the the how we're yeah. doing it and and what that looks like in right order. Um, so as to avoid, so as to be able to tell people, no, 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 no. Just like Paul, it doesn't matter if you're following, you know, mm-hmm. Apollo or, or Paul or I follow this. The the focus needs to be on uh, abiding in the vine. The focus needs to be on, on Christ. And so if if from both directions our aim is the Lord, then hopefully that helps us avoid um, being so enthralled or, or consumed yeah. with mm-hmm. with who yeah. are following here and putting people in positions they don't belong in. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, as people are, if people, someone's listening to this and they don't really know Corinthians from Genesis, you know, what, why? Yeah, so anyhow, you know, Corinth was an international metropolis. I mean, it, it was filled with people of all types of, um, you know, diversity, pe- different backgrounds. Um, you know, and then, I would almost picture it as in modern day Las Vegas and New York City combined. You know, they just had a little bit of everything. Bright lights, people from all types of backgrounds. And then you've got you got temples. You've got, you know, idol worship to gods. Uh, you got, you know, we, we see that in our, our current culture. There's idols everywhere. Um, you know, there there's temptations galore in Corinth, right? There it's a it's an urban center. Um, so busy, robust, just going at it and um you know it's it's a community again where churches were there but had negative influences all around so therefore people were tempted people even in the church and so paul's vision uh you know for the church wasn't just for then but it was for now to really consider i think the first uh the verse 26 of chapter one he says consider your calling brothers not many of you were wise According to your worldly standards, not many were powerful nor of noble birth, but God chose what was foolish uh, in the world to shame the wise. So he's saying in this culture of intellects and people who are doing whatever, you're still called um, for such a time and you have a purpose and just keep coming back to that. And I think we have to do that today, that wherever we find ourselves in, no matter how busy, how, how smart the people around us, all the different temptations, We've got to go back regularly. Yes, even as church leaders, as pastors, consider our calling, all right? Um, that mm. we are going to probably be called or assumed foolish by the way we walk. You know, I had a talk in a parking lot with one, one of our um, men here. We were talking about all these different views of the scripture versus what we see in our modern day. And I said, it kind of seems like we could be called narrow-minded people. And he looked at me and said, that's exactly what we're called to do, to be on the narrow road. Mm. So Paul is... You know, admonishing the people in the midst of all this urbanness and terrain and backgrounds and different people to just stay, stay faithful and consider your calling. So that's kind of the backdrop as I as I interpret it. Um, of, yeah, of no, I, I love that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, that's uh, I think that it's interesting. I, I love I mean, I love I love history and, and, and things like that, too. So I love I, I love knowing the story behind a place um, that we're talking about. And, and when yeah. I think of uh, Corinth, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot I, I have yet to learn, which is why I'm talking to, to you guys. I yeah. mean, you all went to Valley Forge, so you know, right? I mean, <laughs> like, you know what's going on. You, I'm sure you have a Bible class you could tell us about, but, um, but, uh, yeah, like if someone, someone was wondering like, why, why focus in on, uh, Corinthians, 
I, mm-hmm. I think Gavin, you've really just kind of hit on that. Um, there is there is a there seems to be some sort of applicability to where we are today. Um, Brigham, I'm I'm curious what you what you think on that. I mean, you know, maybe as a even as a more uh, tangible question there, like, well, you're in New England, you're in Massachusetts, so like if Athens was like Cambridge, like Harvard area, you know, whatever. I tried to use my, I, yeah. I'm from Massachusetts, by the way, but I don't have a Boston accent, so I'm sorry about that. But, um, but, uh, <laughs> but like, what would Corinth be? Like, you know, where, give us a feel for what Corinth, what could we compare it to if someone's thinking, what's the setting that the church is in that Paul is writing to in Corinth? And I think Gavin hit on that right. a bit, right. um, but, you know, give us something maybe yep. even modern day we could associate it with. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that, in a church context, as we think about what Corinth looked like compared to where our church is, you know, um, I think that I'm currently in an environment or a space here in New England that's very much like that. Um, Gavin talked about how it's metropolitan and, you know, uh, in those elements, but also what we would call it today is unchurched, which, of course, there in that context was absolutely yeah. true. People who had never stepped foot uh in in a synagogue people who had never heard about uh this jewish messiah or the way people who grew up in contexts where they were taught that things that were fundamentally good were completely in opposition to what you were saying from a church context Uh, they were told to have as many gods as possible to cover all your bases you're telling me one they were told uh sex is actually meant to be used in worship uh, so that you can be blessed. And you're telling me that sex actually joins me to a person in the image of God. And I need to be wary of giving that away. Uh, your worship looked like not just sacrifices, but looking at idols and all these other things and, and celebrating uh, tolerance, right? Worshiping almost tolerance, which is very much true in a, in a modern day context. Whereas all of a sudden Paul's coming in Corinthians with an actual order of worship. This is how worship, this is right worship. This is how you worship the Lord. And so um, I think that it's extremely similar. I think that it's actually, I think it's actually, uh, at least where I am in the New, New England context, very much similar. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's just keep having fun because you, you brought up sex. So let's, tell the story that happens there but you know i think to aaron's question you know i look at corinth as like a modern day boston um not necessarily a new york city but just kind of it was a port city it was very metropolitan and i i I just think that that helps that it's not just some ancient city but maybe even san francisco or i wouldn't say it's la but just one of those kind of coast cities like that so so which greek city would be la (sighs) I mean, I'm gonna put him on the spot That's here. A, Which Greek city? It probably wouldn't be a Greek city. It'd probably be Rome. Oh, right? yeah. It'd probably hey. be like, you know, or Alexandria, right? You got your Rome, you got your Alexandria, you got your Athens. Those are your New York, LA, mm-hmm. those sort of thing. But that's bring him. Yeah. Look at nice. you save me. I, that's, that's that's probably awesome. where I was gonna go, but I can't prove that now. <laughs> uh, that's why I like the yeah. so. Sorry, bro. That's great. Sorry. No, no, it's I, all good. It's all good. So in First Corinthians. You know, just to give our listeners some background, why is Paul talking about sex? Um, This is a very Jerry Springer. You know, there's a stepson that's sleeping with his stepmom. Stepmom. And and no one's really kind of addressing it. So Paul um, decides, hey, I need to address it. So uh, 
in that situation, what's, we'll start with Gavin, what's unique about Christianity, even in a bigger picture sexually, that Paul's trying to describe that really relates to us today? Wow. (laughs) Say that, say that part, that last part again, I'm trying to, I'm going to hit that. I, I got you, but one more time. Sure. So if I was to say it in a different way, I think sometimes we read Corinthians and we think this is a completely ancient book that's not applicable to us. But then we read this story and there's just some thoughts, maybe some assumptions that we have about sex that we bring to the text. And Paul's like, no, this this is a different way than how God designed this. So maybe take it from that point on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know, I think, you know, looking at where Paul is trying to address in, you know, definitely chapter seven with with marriage and, you know, God's design originally of sex, he's bringing it to a place to say, hey, you know, the ultimate context where this beautiful act is to happen is in the context of marriage. It's, it's, that's where your expression of human, you know, sexuality can be happening. Um, you know, um, it, it's, it has both relational and, and spiritual uh, benefits. And so, you know what, um, I think, you know, where temptation was all around in sexuality with the church and with the culture of Corinthian, um, you know, they were reducing it to just, okay, I can engage in it because I feel like it, my body wants it, whatever. And Paul is saying there's something that's, that's, that, that is more sacred, you know, coming from the design of what God had in mind with this beautiful act in the context of, you know, uh, a husband and a wife. And so it was, as Brigham mentioned earlier, very countercultural. But he, you know, Paul, which he's coined so many, even to the church of Ephesus. And, you know, we can look at Ephesians chapter, you know, five. But you know what? He was basically coming back again that if sex is going to happen, each man must have his own wife (laughs) and each woman her own husband. And so, you know, again, it affirms not the, you know, that sex is an ill type of thing, but it affirms the, you know, monogamous marriage and it excludes, you know, polygamy, that you just can do whatever you desire at any given moment because it's much bigger. It points to uh, the Lord. And so um, when you when you go outside of the context or choose to go out of the lines, you're actually doing damage. And so um, Paul, you know, as he could in his own letter with courage, would tell us people. So that's what I would, you know, spend to that right now. No, that's really good. So, so bring him, you know, as someone that's, you know, a director of church ministries, I love the way Gavin kind of brought up with it. You know, how are you kind of in light of Corinthians, this ancient problem that we don't think we deal with and then here we are how are you kind of engaging kind of the principles of paul what he's talking about sex in your congregation as you kind of talk with people about it right i think that there's uh as a church ministries director obviously i want to throw ministry at at it i want to throw you know a celebrate recovery ministry at it. i want to throw a uh people who struggle with addictions. I want to throw something at that, or I want to, you know, get small groups at it and and that sort of thing. And I think that it first and foremost, though, has to start from the pulpit. It has to start from, uh, you know, proclaiming, hey, this is the standard of how we 
live, act, operate sexually as believers. And I think that people have to not be afraid of actually talking about that. Right. And then having people step into ministry contexts where they can talk about their own struggles in a safe space. uh, And then they can get the support they need and the accountability they need uh, in order to actually choose. And I think choice is a big part of it. Choose to walk away from excuse me, the, the immorality, you know, Paul in chapter six talks about all things are lawful, but I won't be enslaved by anything, right. that intentional mindset of, of actually walking it out. And even in as much as we do have a bunch of different ministries and we do have folks who are going through different hurts, habits, and hangups who may come together to talk about that. Ultimately it leads us, we need to rely on the Holy spirit, which I do think is incredibly important and actively choose actions that are in line with with what we profess to believe and so it's hard yeah you know it's hard but i i think that uh you know when somebody decides you know that i have decided when somebody decides yo i'm done with this how can i get help i'm done with this so can i jump in here peter so you guys i i love uh you gave some context on corinth and you you hit the identity politics issue um, from, you know, early church identity politics uh, and the sexual immorality. And, you know, Paul, it sounds like from what we're talking about here and when we're reading the Bible, Paul kind of was saying, you know, cut it out with the identity politics, cut it out with the sexual immorality. And here's why. Um, but can you, I mean, tell me about the food thing. Like what, because then <laughs> when you get to, you get later on in the book, he starts talking about, you can eat, you can eat the meat, but you can't eat the meat. Like what, all of a sudden we have this, you know, yeah. we need to be tolerant about what, I don't know. Tell me, tell me about it. What's, what's the, what do I need to take away from that? Well, I, I think it's so big that, and I think that this food thing actually applies to a lot of things, mm-hmm. um, especially in our modern context, but yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when we get to the idea of meat offered to idols, what you've got historically is people always brought the best meat to the temple to offer to the false god, to the pagan god. And the priests would then, you know, they'd use that as part of their livelihood. They would sell some of it. They would keep some of it for their own food. And the best place to buy the best meat was at these pagan temples. And so there is a direct association physically with the meat being in that place in that space. There's a direct association mentally uh, with people associating the, the meat with that false God. And there's a direct association. Some uh, were caught up spiritually with those who had maybe served uh, under that false God who had been freed by the power of the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. Now you have conflict coming from somebody who's like, yeah, I serve Jesus. That's the best meat. I deserve the best. Versus I serve Jesus, I no longer serve that false God. I don't want to associate with that whatsoever. And you've got conflict going on. Paul's like, okay, okay. If you're comfortable, okay. If you're uncomfortable, okay. But you don't cause that one to stumble or sin. So uh, it's, it's, I call it the, uh, uh, the, the, the movie policy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have a problem with, with, some people, there's certain movies that edify and others that don't. Right. The the movie ratings, right? Like, I'll never watch Radar movie. Okay, well, you know, I'm sorry. Gladiator was amazing. Uh, <laughs> well, watch that in your own home. Don't take the person who's struggling with this. You know, that's also where we get the context and understanding of the weaker brother, right? And and the and who's the weaker one? The weaker one's actually the person who struggles with, with where that came from. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 
all great stuff, Rick. And I think when I, I break it down to the essence of the love part, you know, do I love my brother? So if I truly love my brother or sister, I'm going to think about them first, regardless of where I stand. And so I'm not going to engage if I know that's going to cause the person to, you know, who's weaker to sin because I'm about building up. Love says I'm going to deny myself for the betterment of the whole, the relationship. So that's where I, you know, come to it as a, just a little add a piggyback to what Brigham's talking about with the food sacrifice to idols. You know, I'm really glad Aaron brought that up because I think actually with all of this, um, <clears throat> and I want to kind of be careful, I'm going to walk around this gingerly, but, um, you know, so in America, if I was to kind of sum up probably our most important value, most talked about value, it's freedom. And I feel like right now we're really wrestling with what freedom looks like. Um, yeah. You know, we have people that, um, you know, feel like certain individuals have freedom and f certain individuals don't have freedom. And, you know, it's just interesting because with this freedom, you know, we've, and we can talk about being postmodern, but, you know, the freedom conversation is really tough because I think, uh, I don't think all of our founding fathers were Christians. I kind of want to say that some of them were deist and things like that. But I, I think that this nation, and actually this is where Aaron's smarter than me. Um, he worked on Capitol Hill, but you know, they were at least working from a playbook that's talked about biblical principles. So there is this assumption of, hey, we have freedom and it's all it's all complicated. So I'm trying to kind of take this and sum it up, but it seems like Corinthians kind of challenges our assumptions of unhealthy freedoms, whether it's freedom sex sexually, whether it's freedom to eat meat offered to idols, whether it's freedom to identity politics, as we've kind of brought up. You know, as you kind of think about the, the people that God's called you to serve, what conversations yeah. are you having about freedom to help them yeah. kind of understand it that, hey, being a follower of Jesus actually affects the way I'm an American. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I on on our end, uh, we recently had a parishioner of ours elected to political office. And obviously we celebrated with her. We were like, wow, you did it. You want to serve your community. A faithful follower of Jesus Christ is now in a position uh, politically uh, in, in governmental authority to actually impact change and in some areas that really need it. And we're so excited by that, right? Wow, now somebody's operating under the love of God and, and with that in that area. One of the things that we really had to engage with was the reminder that you can't, or you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to legislate behavior, right? Mm -hmm. There needs to be a freedom of behavior. But uh, when, when you're dealing with legislation and politics, focus on freedom and justice. So you've got freedom on one hand, freedom as much as possible, people's freedom to do what they want to do, uh, be who they want to be. But on the other side, justice, which speaks to how people interact with one another and what's allowed and taking place there. But that also speaks to uh, here in Corinthians, the idea that uh, freedom is important, but if your freedom one, if your freedom is affect how your freedom affects somebody else. Right, uh, right. Two, how your freedom is affecting your soul. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Paul goes straight at that. He goes yep. straight at that. Listen, tell me, you can do whatever you want. True, true. He's like, you can do whatever you want. You're free to do whatever you choose to do. He goes, but not everything you do will benefit you. Right. And that emphasis on, and Gavin actually touched on this, focusing on seeing through the lens of love mm-hmm. impacts how you use your freedom. Yep, yep. Right. And yep. so therefore, when you think about it in the context of Peter's question, how I am as an American, well, first I'm a follower of Christ and that impacts yeah. how I operate as an American. So yeah. yeah, my allegiance is Christ. My citizenship is in heaven. I call it the conundrum of freedom. Galatians 5, 1 is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But then he goes and says, stand firm then. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. So even freedom can feel like freedom, but in fact, we're actually living under a yoke of slavery again. And, and Paul hits it in various different formats throughout this amazing book in First Corinthians. And I've said at times from the pulpit, as I preach to our people here, that you know what? Just because you can say it doesn't mean that you should. You know, mm. I, I have a freedom to say whatever I want or react something on social media. I, I can kirk out on somebody. It doesn't mean that I should do it. You know what I mean? So, you know what? And, and, and Christ also tells me because of one of the fruits of the spirit, I think he goes on in the Galatians 5 about, you know, um, you know, self-control. And so I've heard it said once a football man, man, I discipline my body so much in the weight room. I got big arms. I got big, you know, abs, all that stuff. I did all of that discipline so that I could play like a wild man on the field. So mm. the more and more we stand firm and, and guard our hearts and understand, yes, out of love, as Brigham reiterated, man, that that I've got to be thinking about my, my other person more than just me. Do you feel like uh, in some of those, oh, I was going to say in those, some of the, this tags onto your conversation, but, you know, how does it, does, do you think Paul ever heard this? And do you, I'm sure you probably hear it, but do people say, but I had a right, a right to do that. Like, that's my yeah. right. So, oh my. I mean, what what about that rights and freedoms? How do we, how do we, how do you think Paul wants to get it out? Yeah. Paul wants us to die to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. In fact, Paul wants us to do what Jesus taught us to do, which is die. Uh, ultimately, <laughs> come on. We, I mean, uh, and Grant, I'm getting out of Corinthians, right? In order to get that, but that's okay. It's but, all right. but ultimately he, he's saying that like Christ, Yep, uh, yep. we've got to, we've got to die. You know, yes, you, yes. you can have the right, but you give up your rights in order to, uh, follow Christ. And so, um, I think that that's a hard pill for, for Americans to swallow and I'm American, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're, you know, I think that that's hard for us because we don't like the idea of giving up rights for something greater. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, there, I think that we have rights in Christ that we don't engage enough. It's funny because, you know, oh, the Lord wants me to give up this, give up this, and give up this. Yeah, but he also wants you to operate in this and operate in this. He also wants you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, and he also wants you to to uh, be yeah, yeah. a catalyst for transforming lives, and he also wants you to see change in other people, right, in general, and on all these things. So people act like we're losing so much uh we're gaining so much and uh, we need to operate in that. Yeah. The flesh loves to drift towards what it's always losing based uh, instead of 
what am I gaining because of this sacrifice? And who are you? As, I'm an American. I, I was born. I'm in the Western culture. Who are you to tell me to live my life this way or blah, blah, blah? You know, I'm called to do me. And I'm saying that could be one of the most dangerous things you could do is do you. You know what I mean? You mm. know, if I did me, sometimes I'd be eating gummy bears every night. I'd, you know, <laughs> go crazy. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I would just. You know, instead of coming home most weeks, I'll just stay home as long as I could till I know the kids were in bed. You know, these are things where, again, um, you know, the freedom that Christ and what Paul is talking about and even the way of love. I keep coming back. There's a love chapter in here. And first Corinthians 13, we probably quoted this. It's, you know, at, at weddings and all that. But, you know, there's a part in there that love does not demand its own way, you know, and just I think we need to say that to our flesh. If I truly love my brother or sister. Um, if I love my American, whoever I love, my immigrant citizen, my neighbor, I am truly going to insist on not getting my way. I'm going to pave mm. the way for them to be free and pave the way for to consider them. Mm. So where I think I want to close with our last two questions is, you know, so something that Christians don't get. I don't think they get credit for or I think in some ways there's been assumptions that are correct is. You know, in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, if I was to break up the book of Corinthians, the first seven chapters, Paul really says, hey, here are the issues you have. But then if I go to 1 Corinthians 7, 1, it starts off by saying the questions that you have. And so I guess where I kind of want, want to process for a little bit of time is, you know, it seems like the writers of scripture aren't afraid of the tough questions. And I think we see that in the rest right. of the book. I, I guess I, I feel like, and maybe there's someone out there that would say that, Peter, you're scared of some of the tough questions. You don't want to, but I feel like I engage a lot in that and that doesn't get airplay. I guess as you think of 1 Corinthians 7, 1 and the questions and people that are de-churched and unchurched, how is this book a hope for them in your context? Gavin, why don't you go first? Absolutely. You know, Peter, we just came through a summer um, entitled Hot Topics, and um, we hit on, you know, marriage. We hit on transgenderism. We hit on, you know, homosexuality. We hit on, um, you know, marijuana and drugs. And man, I will tell you, I think when we, by God's grace, step out of our comfort, because it is at times a push for us, even as leaders and pastors, just to say, you know what, we've got to go there, not because we're trying to get clickbait, not because we're trying to get on the news. We're trying to do this because we know there's a culture that we live in that people deal with this. They, they're, they're, they're asking these questions. They're walking in it. And there's people, yes, in the church that are wondering. And so it's not just about coming from scripture. We want to start there always. We want to, you know, but it's not just saying, here's what the word says. That's a big part, but it's also saying, why does the word say it? You know, your podcast, why it's so big. And I think the church and people in the church, you know, the answers of, you know, God said it, that settle it. I believe it. You know, that that's only going so far in, in the day we're living in. People are not just looking for the surfacey front door, you know, answer. They want to go beyond. And so to have mm -hmm. platforms such as this and even in our church, ways that we can creatively consider, how can we even have a dialogue about this? Not just give the mm -hmm. principles, but let's talk about it. Let's die. Our culture is yearning for that. We're 15 minutes from College Park. 
Um, I was just on a call before this call with a lady with, with Young Life and looking at ways to engage on that campus. And, you know, her biggest heart is there are unchurched people on this campus that we're trying to reach. It's not about and we're trying to utilize those of the faith, but it's the unchurched. But there's so you can imagine the different perspectives and trying to unite people around the gospel and get that. So this is so important that we as a church, we would be passionate. It, it's our it's our call. It's a part of our mission to go into the world. And uh, we've got to go into it with the message of the gospel, but also with courage and say, you know what? There are real issues that keep on coming up, especially in the season time we're living in. And we have the hope of the gospel to put light on it. Mm. Let's not be afraid to engage and help equip our people to do the very same. So that's what I would say as a, as a pastor. I'm trying to, you know, use my influence and in where I'm at to help our people. And they're hungry for it. They're mm. hungry for it. I'm saying. Go ahead, bring them. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in chapter seven, Paul goes on to say, let each person lead, lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And that's something that we really struggle with because to some, God is called to struggle with yeah. things that others of us may not. When we talk about some of the issues in our culture and our world, especially in our society here in American context with uh, uh, gender, sexuality, politics, you know, oh my goodness, everything is so, I think we have to do like Paul and speak directly and simply mm -hmm. towards it. It's good. And the problem is that what we often want to do, we want to, we want to be a little more diplomatic, mm -hmm. right? Because we don't want to offend. Yeah. But sometimes we forget that the gospel is offensive. That's right. Mm. And what's amazing is that the people who make it to the end of the story, the people who the people who check out when you say God doesn't want you to do this, they miss out when you find out God does want be, he doesn't want you to do this because this is what he has for you. Mm. Here's the life that he actually has for you. Right. The people who make it to the end of the story without offense actually end up receiving uh, a salvation, receiving um, yep. the good news. They, they, they walk in a new and transformed life. And so I think it's important for us to simply and straightforwardly speak the truth of what God has for us. You're right. And when we do that, there are people who are going to be offended. Mm -hmm. uh, my granddaddy used to say it this way. I think I said this last time I was on preach the gospel, no matter whom it hurts, kills or cures, mm -hmm. you know, uh, mm -hmm. it, it, that's good. tough. Cause we, we want people to like us and yes. we want to have relationship with people. Um, and it's important for us to be willing to have relationship with people if they're willing to have relationship with us, even if they struggle with X, Y, Z. Mm, exactly. um, but it's also important for us not to water down the truth and to say it simply and straightforwardly, matter of factly, as opposed to with any sort of malice or intent or, or coming from any uh, social perspective, political perspective, uh, personal perspective. No, no, no. Just just. Here's what the Lord says. And um, so I think that's an answer to your question. Mm -hmm. uh, when people have questions is to tell them the answers. Mm -hmm. And and a suitable answer, if you don't know, to any anybody listening to this who, who may be in a space where they can say, well, I don't really know the answer, then say that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, let's look. Absolutely. Let's grow. Hey, let's open First Corinthians and look what yep. God says and, yep. and how he says it. So mm. that's good stuff. Man, that's a that's a great place to close. I just uh, I feel like I'm at lunchtime, and uh, this is a uh, this episode is dedicated to Doctor Dippold, First Corinthians, Valley Forge. You know, back in the day, yep. so we got to call about. So, 
why don't we close with this? Uh, so the question is, what does Jesus have to say about reading First Corinthians? We'll have some fun. So Aaron and I are going to answer this question, and as as usual, yeah. as if I was a freshman when you folks were seniors, you're, you'll clean up the mess that I leave. Does that sound good? <laughs> so there we go. So Aaron, do you want to go ahead first? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think... Um... I mean, obviously, Jesus wants us to read First Corinthians. It's in the Bible, um, <laughs> but I, I think uh, I, I think that this has been a great conversation and and really showing the applicability of the book to um, either directly to issues that we're that we think about, but even you know, I think both Gavin and Brigham did a good job of showing how a lot of the conversation points in here expand to other other topics too uh, that we all wrestle with. Um, either personally or as a culture. Um, I, I loved that Gavin really honed in on um, 1 Corinthians 13 there a couple of minutes, a few minutes ago. And um, to me, that's certainly one of the powerful parts of this this book too. And um, that's the book where he talks about, Paul talks about love and love is patient, love is kind, love's not self-seeking, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, um, love never fails. So that, I mean, and there's more to it. So yeah. read more, there's, the book's better. But uh, but uh, I, I think that that's powerful, and that alone is a is a good reason to read uh, read this book for anybody listening. Mm. Yeah, I think the only simple thing that I'll say is with the Bible, it's not written to us, but it's written for us. So, you know, there were Corinthians that lived in ancient times, but you know, I, I think that the more that we forget what God has done in the past, the less we're able to engage the present and the future well. And so I, I think about all the things that we've talked about from sexuality to identity politics, to um, love, to rights, to freedom. And without the gospel, like this book paints a, a, a distinct picture of what life looks like. And I love how Brigham kind of closed that last thought, which is, you know, these are really hard topics, but the love of Christ challenges us to talk about things with grace and tact, but also with truth, because we believe that God wants something for you. Um, so yeah, that's where I'd go. So who wants to go first, Gavin or Brigham? How would Jesus respond to this? Gavin, you take it, man. You got it. <laughs> well, I think both of you guys did a great summation. You know, I think the way of love we've got to understand is not necessarily just for us as much as for our our fellow neighbor and um, how we love is going to be received. How we love is going to be remembered. How we love is going to challenge and change as we are on the backdrop of nine 11 this upcoming Sunday. You know, there were, there was love and selfless selflessness that drove people into those towers, knowing that, you know what, I may not come out of it, but I'm going in to help someone. And I think we think about this whole book in its entirety. Um, we must remember that we are heralds of the gospel, proclaimers, and we can speak the truth and love. We can do it with courage. It is going to be offensive well, because Jesus said it was. And you know what? If they didn't like Jesus, they're probably not going to like us. He said, well, and so we've got to say, okay, let's be okay to remember as leaders and pastors consider our calling as followers that uh, we are the ones that are foolish, but... Yeah. It's the foolish things of the world that's going to confound the wise as we do it in a right quorum, too, with love leading us. And so, as you mentioned as well, um, Peter, absolutely, man, we've got to be people who understand that um, there are questions that people are asking 
And the word of God written for us is the elixir. Um, let's lean into it. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. You guys are, are fantastic. I mean, you guys are amazing. And, and yes. everything that you said uh, resonates. And for me, um, I think the reason, one of many, I think there's a lot of different answers to this question, but I think the reason that Jesus Christ mm -hmm. wants you to read the book of 1 Corinthians is because he wants you to inherit the mm -hmm. kingdom of God. Um, yeah. You know, Paul writes and explains that the imperishable, oh, the perishable will not inherit the imperishable, that right. um, that there is a resurrection, that there is more. Yes. I, I think that that Jesus wants you to read the book of first Corinthians because he wants more for you. You know, the Bible talks about what yes. God has in store for us. And the reality is, it's greater than what we can imagine for ourselves. And this isn't just health and wealth. Right. It's more than that. It's it's yeah. significantly more profound. Um, it requires mm -hmm. sacrifice. It requires letting things go. It requires um, surrender. But ultimately, Jesus wants you to read the book of First Corinthians because he wants you to inherit the kingdom of God. He wants you to mm. have the principles uh, and forget not just principles. He wants you to believe. He wants you to have the faith to to believe and accept and receive the kingdom of God, That's which right. is something that he so adamantly preached when he walked the earth and so i i believe that jesus wants you to read first corinthians because he wants you to inherit the kingdom of god wow what a place to close um we're going to be tagging gavin and bring him on our uh, social media so that's the, probably the best place to find them and yep. uh we just uh man I, like i said this feels like valley forge and aaron now knows what it feels like so thanks for joining us today it was a pleasure, Peter. Thank you, God. Thank you for having us, guys. Appreciate it.